0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to have you here. Ready to get started? Well, so today is a different day for us as far as the schedule goes. And let me just say to you, I'll say it right up front because I heard afterwards, some people thought that what we're doing today is what we're going to do every week. And it's not, okay? (laughs) We'll be back much more to a normal kind of schedule uh, starting next week. But we are talking about worship services here today. Uh, God has used worship services to change my life. Worship services is where I heard the gospel preached, right, and challenged about that, and eventually God used that to lead me to make that decision to trust His Son as Savior. Um, I remember when I, when I came to Christ and they come to worship services, and so exciting to be around other Christians, and we're all singing the songs about the Lord and what He's done and what He's doing and praising Him in those ways, praying together. Uh, then the, the Word of God being preached and hearing from God and, and being challenged and making decisions in response to that. and So worship services has just been a huge part of how God has worked in my life over the years. And I'm so grateful for that. And so uh, what we're going to do today is talk about worship services, our worship service, how we worship. Now, let me say this up front. Um, Worship services are not all the same, right? You can go from one church to another and there can be different ways that people do things. Uh, Different parts of the world, worship services are different. Different times in history, worship services are different. And that's all okay. The things we're gonna try to talk about today, though, uh, are elements that um, are consistent, pretty much however the worship service is, whatever style it is wherever it is, whatever time in history it is. And so we want to look to the scripture and say, okay, how do we worship? And, and what I want to walk us through is how do we do it here to help us to be able to, to have a better understanding of it and to engage with it in a way that both honors the Lord and also really ministers to us and makes a difference in our lives. So uh, having said that, Uh, let's just jump right into the Scripture, okay? And what we're going to do is have some preaching, we'll do some singing, and we'll do the other things we normally do, but I'm going to be preaching off and on throughout the morning. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you to pick up one of the uh, Bibles under the chairs there and turn to page 1224. 1224. This is a very, very well-known story. Um, This is the story of Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman, uh, which was a huge surprise to her that he, a Jew, would talk with her, and and a huge surprise to his disciples when they came back and found him talking with her. Uh, And Jesus, you know, reveals to her, talks to her about her situation in life and, and her relationship with God, and then she turns the conversation to what we might consider religious things, And it is in this context, that part of the discussion, that Jesus says some things about worship that we need to understand. All right, so let's pick up in verse 19, chapter four. The woman said to him, "'Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain.'" And this mountain is in the middle of Samaria. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So she's bringing up this, okay, so what's the place we ought to worship? You have your temple there. We have our worship center here. What's the deal? Verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So he, he does address that just briefly, saying you know, the, the Jews have the scriptures and they know what they're worshiping. And the Samaritans were off on some things. But then he, he continues to a, a more important and a deeper issue. He says, but the hour is coming and, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus here begins to talk about some things about worshipers, and one thing he describes as true worshipers. So if there are true worshipers, then there could be people who aren't true worshipers, right? That's the point, okay? That if we're going to be true worshipers, that means that there is ha- a, wa- a proper way to worship God. There's certain things that, that must be uh, going on if we are going to be true worshipers. And he talks about that, worshiping in spirit and truth. They're really cool to me, though, the end of verse 23. He says, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God the Father is seeking worshipers. And you understand that that is largely what the Great Commission is about for us. We're going into all world to make disciples and because those disciples will be what? Worshippers. They will connect with God the way that he intends and, and be fulfilling what they were made for. And so God is looking for people to worship him, to be true worshipers. And then verse 24, he says, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So let's focus in there on verse 24 for a little bit. He says God is spirit. There are four places in the Bible where we have God is statements, okay? The first one that we talk about is God is light. And God being light means that he reveals things, he shows us things. Now, anybody besides me, um, you know, you find yourself more and more dependent on these to read? A few of you? But what I find is that when I, if I'm out in this, if I can get in the sunlight, that very often I can read without these. Why, because what's the light doing? It's just making it really clear, okay? And so, God is light. He makes things really clear to us. He reveals things to us. And then light also drives out darkness. And so God being light, we help to drive the darkness out of our spiritual lives, okay? And then the scripture says that God is a consuming fire. Now this means that usually in this context, and and, uh, excuse me, usually in the scripture, the idea of God being a consuming fire, I think it's the same thing it means in Hebrews in that that God is also a judge. He is a judge, a righteous judge, and he makes those judgments about sin, okay? Uh, But I think it includes more than that. In our lives as Christians, he is also a consuming fire. We have things in our lives, all of us, that, really get in the way. They get in the way of how we relate to the Lord and how we live out our Christian's lives. Sometimes we know those things, sometimes we don't. But God's consuming fire goes to work burning those things out of our lives. Slowly but surely removing those things that get in the way. So our God is a consuming fire and then God is spirit the one that Jesus talks about here. Now, what's the point of Jesus saying God is spirit? Well, what was the context of the conversation? The context of the conversation was, well, are we supposed to worship here in Samaria, or are we supposed to worship in Jerusalem? We're talking about what? A physical place. And do you remember what Jesus said? He says that the hour's coming, in fact, it already is, when it's not about here or about here. And then he says, God is spirit. And I think what he's communicating to us there is that worshiping God is not about a particular place. You don't have to have a particular place in order to worship God. Uh, Do we have to come into this building to worship God? No, we don't. Okay, it's nice to have this building, isn't it? But we don't have to have this building to worship God And um, so I think Jesus is making that point that it's not about physical things. It's not about, I mean, there are lots of churches that within their buildings, they have items, objects that are important to their worship, they would think. But Jesus saying, no, no, God is spirit. It's not about that kind of thing. The Apostle Paul expresses this idea uh, in Acts chapter 17 when he's talking to the uh, Greek philosophers. And he says, God does not dwell in temples made with hands. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He dwells in temples like us. We're his temple. Nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. So God has no need of physical things for us to worship. Okay? And we don't need those things either. So God is spirit. And he says, those who worship him. Well, what do we mean when we say the word worship? If, if we had taken a survey of you about worship before we came in and worship services, you might have said, well, there's the part of the service, there's the worship part of the service, you know, when we're, we're singing, and then there's the preaching part and all that. But that's not really what the Bible presents to us about worship. The English word worship means to reverence and adore. Okay, when you worship someone, you reverence them, you adore them. Um, but the, the Greek word, which is obviously what our New Testament is written in is Greek, the Greek word that's, that's translated worship here literally means this. It means to bow oneself in submission to another. To consciously bow ourselves before them. To purposefully Bow ourselves before. In fact, when you read through the Gospels, and you know Jesus works a miracle, or or somebody comes in response to him, it talks about they worshipped him. That literally means that they got down and bowed themselves down before him. And and when you bow yourself before someone, what are you recognizing? That this person has authority over me. Okay, this, in particular, with Jesus, he's God. I am not God. Now, interesting. If we take this word, this translated worship, and, and, and look up the origin of this word, you know, trace back, where did the meaning come from? We come up with this idea, there, there's two parts to it. One is a prefix, which means toward. And the other word is the word for dog. And so this, this idea of a dog bowing, okay? What do dogs do if they want to, they'll, they'll get like this. How many dog lovers here today? Okay, great, and the rest of you are going, what's the picture of a dog up there for? But what we see is that that this word came from the the idea of a dog bowing before its master, licking its master's hand, Uh, and and the picture is this. What is a dog living for at at this moment? What's a dog living for? His master. He, He wants to please his master. Is my master happy with me? I love my master. You see that? Now, God is not telling us to become like dogs. That's not the point. The point that's the origin of the word. It came to mean this is literally the idea of bowing down. Now, Jesus got through just through saying that it's not about the physical stuff, okay? But it's about the attitude of the heart, the bowing of our hearts. But this idea of bowing, the Old Testament communicates this. Psalm 95 says, O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And so this idea of bowing ourselves before the Lord, uh, like I said, the Bible doesn't require us to have physical bowing, although there's probably good times to do that. Um, But it's really talking about what's going on in our hearts. And we say that around here with this statement, we surrender to the Lord we bow ourselves before the Lord, we yield to the Lord, we say yes to the Lord, we surrender to the Lord, okay? And so, as we surrender to the Lord, the Jesus says that if we're going to worship and surrender, we have to do it in spirit and in truth. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter five, the Apostle Paul reveals this, uh, how, how we're made up and he talks about our body, our soul, our spirit. And, and the idea of, as we look through scripture, our spirit being that innermost part of us, that innermost part that really is our identity, it's who we are at the core of our being. And, and so I think when Jesus says here to worship in spirit, he means that's where it starts. And, and it is there in our spirit where we can you know, com, uh, directly connect with God. But that's where it starts. And, but what is true of our spirit then is to work its way out into our souls. And it's, from there it's to work its way out into our lives and how we interact in our world. And so I really think spirit is the idea of our whole being starting from the inside out. You're gonna worship God, it should be about all of you. Okay, not just part of you. Okay, then when he says in truth, uh, where do we as Christians dis- uh, learn what's true? Ultimately, we gotta go to the word of God, don't we? So he's saying if we're going to worship, it needs to be based on truth, which means it needs to be based on scripture. Uh, But even more than that, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so our worship needs to be consistent with who Jesus is. You know, if if we were coming together and worshiping, or calling it worship, and saying, you know, oh, wow, yeah, Jesus is a good person. He gave us a good example. And what we have to do is we have to do this good thing and that good thing and the other good thing and hope that God just might be happy enough with us to forgive us. Well, are we true worshipers at this point? No, we're not, see? Because we aren't what? Worshiping on the basis of truth. When we worship on the basis of truth, we conform our worship to the scriptures and we conform our worship to who Jesus is and the role that he should have in our lives. So this is what it means to worship. Well, what does this look like in real life? And when I say real life, I realize, I don't want to communicate that what we do in here is not also real life. It is. What I should have said is the rest of your life. Okay, what does this look like in your life? The reality is, is that we ought to be true worshipers every moment of every day. Okay, that means that every, and we aren't always conscious of this, I know, but every moment of every day, it ought to be that God, your God, I am not. Your Lord, I am not. I want to honor you. I want to live your way. I want to do what you want. And then doing that, we are what? Surrendering to the Lord moment by moment. Now, this could happen in your life when you're reading your Bible. You might be sitting reading your Bible and something becomes very clear and you go, Oh, God. And I, I, you know, I yield myself. I say yes to you. Or how do I do it? I want to do it. But we're yielding to the Lord. We're surrendering to Him in that. It might be that you are. Uh, you know, you see something in nature that just is so overwhelming and awesome that leads you to remember, yes, God, you are creator and, and I'm your creation, I wanna honor you. You know, we're, we're worshiping the Lord. Uh, when you're faced with choices, just life choices you have to make and, and rather than just making the choice, you, you have this at least momentary awareness of, wait a minute, I wanna, I wanna choose the way God wants me to choose. And we make that choice. That's, that's an act of worship, okay? So we ought to be worshiping, all as we go through life, you know, as individuals, we surrender to the Lord. Okay, now, we're talking about worship service today. And God did not, when we got saved, God did not just bring us into relationship with him. When God brought us into relationship with him, he brought us into relationship with each other as well. Uh, scripture just so clearly points us out time and time again that we, we are not in this alone. This is not a do-it-yourself thing. It's a do-it-together thing. Are there things you have to do yourself? Sure. But man, we make a mistake when we separate it from each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, "'For as the body is one and has many members, "'but all the members of that one body, being many, "'are one body, so also is Christ.'" Many members, but we are one. We are connected. This passage of Scripture continues and says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body and have been all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. We are together in this. The Apostle John, in his first letter, talks about this way He says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. And he's talking about, We saw Jesus and we heard what he said, and we saw him rise. This is what we declare to you. Why? that you also may have fellowship with who? With us. And so when we bring the gospel to someone, we usually think about we're bringing the gospel to them so that they might have fellowship with God, right? True statement, but do you understand that's not just all that you're doing, you're also bringing them the gospel that they might have fellowship with us. And then John continues, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. And then Matthew uh, chapter 18, Jesus says these words, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, the context of this verse here, this statement of Jesus is a hard section of scripture. I mean, it's not so hard a section of scripture, it's a hard life deal, it's when there's problems. But what Jesus is saying here is when we come together in his name to do what he has given us to do, he says, I am there. I'm there in the midst of you. Now, those of us who've been around uh, for quite a while, and as I look around, I think that's most of us, um, isn't God everywhere all the time? He's on the present, right? So what's Jesus mean when he says, I'm in the midst? Well, I gotta think, do you think Jesus knew that that he was on the present too? Sure. I think Jesus is saying, when you get together in my name to do the things that I have told you I want you to do, when you do that, I am there with you in a very special way. You now have the authority to do what you need to do. You now have the power to do what you need to do. You now have the great, I, I am there with you in the middle of these things. And so what this tells me is that when we get together to worship, which God has called us to do together, are we here gathered in His name? Are we here trying to do what He has given us to do? We are. So guess what? Jesus is here, and not just in the, oh yeah, God's everywhere sense. Somehow He is here in a special way. And We would get this if if I could say, and I know I've said this before, if we could say that Jesus was literally going to be here in the body, you could see him, right? Jesus is going to be here and talk. Would that change your perspective on getting together today? That's not a trick question. You guys, is that a trick question? No, it's not. I mean, I'm I'm glad you're here to hear me, but man, if Jesus was standing here, I'd be sitting right down there with you. I'm ready, okay? But the reality is, is he is here in some special way. And so that means that when we gather for worship, something that happens here that cannot happen any other way, right? And so it matters that we're here today to connect with the Lord. And so the scripture talks about this. This is what people did together. Acts chapter two, from the very beginning. So continuing daily with one accord, what they were in one accord, they were together and in unity, and they were meeting in the temple and they were meeting in their houses. And so when we're talking about our worship service, we have already talked about worship and what it means in our lives and how we live. But when we talk about coming together as Christians to focus on this, we surrender to the Lord together, okay? Just, let's just read that out loud together and let this word soak in. We surrender to the Lord together, okay? That's what our worship services are about, should be about, that we have gathered together to surrender to him on purpose together, which means Jesus is here, and so something is happening that can't happen in any other way. So let's go to the Lord in prayer now uh, before we continue talking about some more things. Father, thank you that you have called us to be worshipers. You desired us to come and be your worshipers. I thank you that you brought us to your son that we might be those true worshipers. Help us today, Father, to worship in spirit and in truth, uh, to open our hearts to you, to surrender to you on purpose. Give us the understanding that we need as we go through Uh, how we worship together and why we do these things. Our desire is to honor you when all is said and done here today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, one of the biggest things we do when we get together as worship service together is we have music, right? Music and singing, and uh, we oftentimes we think of that as our worship. Well, it is only part of our worship because everything we do when we gather together is part of our worship. Well, um, music is, is such an amazing gift from God. Uh, you know, I, you think about it, and, and is, is there music out there in creation? Yeah, there is. I mean, the birds sing, and some of the, the animals make it, but it's not music like we have, right, at all. Uh, and anybody in here besides me ever been moved to tears by music? And I don't mean just Christian music. Uh, Christian music, I think the highest form of music and what its purpose is, but the point is music moves us. music affects us. Uh, Somebody once said, you know, I don't care uh, what else you do in society, let me write society songs and I'll control society. I paraphrase that, okay? But that's, that's a reality, music is powerful. I think it's safe to say music is the language of the soul And and this is, you connect with it. So when we think about our souls, we're thinking about our will, that part of us that chooses and makes decisions. We're thinking about our mind, that part of us that thinks and ponders and figures things out. And we're thinking about our emotions, how we feel about these things. And music hits every one of these. Okay, music, especially if we're gonna worship together, hits the will, challenges us in our will, our decision-making part of us, where we choose to sing. Uh, David in Psalm 104 said, I, what, will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. The Bible talks about songs and singing uh, about 240 times. Of those, 22 times are about this idea of the will. I will sing, okay? Okay. Uh, so it's an important part. In music, we make a conscious choice to worship God. Or we need to. We need to make a conscious choice to worship God. It also, music is intended in worship to help affect our minds. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3 that talked about teaching and admonishing one another in sermons. Well, he does say it kind of elsewhere, but no. Teaching and admonishing one another, what? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so when we sing, we should engage our minds. And Okay, what are we singing about? We're singing about the Lord. What's he like? Who is he? What's he do? How does he do it? What has he said to me about my life? What has he done in my life? What's he doing in my life? What's he? But you see how it engages and we think about what we are, who it is that we're worshiping and, and the difference that that should make in our lives. So it engages not only our will, I choose to sing, but our minds and we think about these things. Uh, and I might have you notice that when we sing together, there's this mindset that we sing to the Lord. Is that true, right? We worship and we sing to the Lord, but this verse would tell us we don't just sing to the Lord, we what? Sing to each other as well. Okay, so it, it does matter. This is consistent. God didn't just call us into a relationship with Him. He called us into a relationship with each other. Not only do we sing to the Lord, we sing to each other. And then, certainly, uh, it affects our emotions. Okay, the music can, the words, the thoughts, all of these things. David talks about this, about breaking forth in song and rejoicing and singing praises, this emotional connection that is there. And so it... Music is important. It's such a valuable part of our worship service. Could we come together and worship without music? I'm not asking you a trick question again either, really. Could we? Yeah, we can, we absolutely could, and there might be times and places where that's what we need to do. But overall, we are going to include music in our worship, and I believe, based on what I see in scripture, that that would be God's intent. That music is part of how we worship. We see this with David in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. David and the people of God. It says, Then David and all Israel played with music before God. And what are the next words? Same with me. With all their might. With singing on harps and stringed instruments and tambourines and cymbals and with trumpets. But they sang with all their might. You know, it's easy for us to come in and not sing with all our might. Um. Anybody besides me ever find yourself as we begin singing still distracted with other things in your mind? I do. What's going on here, what's, you know, who's, whatever. But the idea is we need to say, no, 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 I, it, this is the time for me to now focus in on singing, worshiping the Lord in my singing. So how are we gonna do this? I would say four things uh, that you want to, to really help this singing be a, a, a great part of your worship. First is focus. You have to stop and say, wait a minute, now is the time to sing. I need to think about this. This is worth, this is worth stopping and focusing on. And again, I already said this, but we're going to focus on what am I saying about God in this song? What am I saying about my response to God? What am I saying about God's promises? What am I saying about what God has done for me in Christ? And focus on these things and think about them as you're singing and what they mean in your life. Really focus. Secondly, sing out. I I guarantee you that if you are going to sing out, it is going to engage you more fully in the singing. Because how many things can we do at once in life, consciously? This is a trick question. Really, we can only do one thing at a time and we just get good at switching back and forth fast. Okay, there's experiments that actually show that. And so I can not sing out, I can just kind of sing along and keep thinking about other things and being distracted. When I have to sing out and make a point to sing out, you know what, I can't really be thinking about other stuff while I'm doing that. So sing out, you're on purpose, you're gonna engage physically with this worship, sing. Follow the leader, all right? And what I mean by this is that over the years I had times, not so much anymore, hardly ever anymore. But I had times when we would sing the chorus of of the worship song one more time. And I would go, I've already sung this three times. And God just got a hold of me about that and said, that's not right, Walt. That's not right. Here we are to worship and now what you have just decided is to focus on what you like and don't like and make that be the most important thing about what's going on. And so I really felt convicted about it. So instead, I started when that would still happen sometimes, right? And I would catch myself and say, no, okay, and I'm, gonna, I'm really now going to focus and engage and sing this again. Lord, you've led us to sing this again. I am going to sing it again. And I've got to tell you, some of my most memorable, God is real, worship times have occurred when I made those decisions. And see, wh- why? It's because, once again, I'm choosing to what? Mm-hmm. To engage with God here and worship. And so that is, just keep, you know, worship the Lord through all this. And it's so exciting. And and this means you gotta choose to worship. Bottom line. You gotta choose to worship. Uh, An exciting thought to me came to me one day, and that's this, that um, nobody can prevent me from worshiping except me. Maybe the song isn't one I would choose. Maybe I don't know this song very well. Uh, Maybe there are distractions going on, but I I get to choose. I can choose to worship the Lord. And so that's what we need to do, okay? And we do this together. Now, what I want to do is practice with you just a little bit. So worship team, come on up here. Uh, I want to practice this idea of focusing, singing out, okay? Uh, So go ahead and put the words to the song up there if you would, Stephen. And um, I'm gonna go back to my choir director days here a little bit, all right? Would this all stand together, stand? In choir days, I would've gone, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm Okay, and I, uh, uh, you wanna give me the first chord there, somebody, okay, here we go. So here's how this, you can sing this, if you want. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. Is he listening to me? I have a somebody might hear me. We don't want to do that. I really want to encourage you to, to take some steps forward here today in your, your worship. Uh, if you don't normally sing, move your lips. Okay, if you'd normally just move your lips, put some sound to it. If you have normally put some sound to it, sing out. All right, so sing with me here. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. Okay, we're about 50%. Okay, let's try that again. Here we go, ready? There it goes. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures for. Man, you guys are doing really good. This is good. You already did, didn't they already do it as good as the first service? Yeah. And you aren't as many. Good job. One more time, really lift it up. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures for. Super job, okay? Keep singing that way. And later in the morning, when we sing, sing that way. And there's times to sing soft. And sometimes you might actually get overwhelmed and feel like stop singing. That's okay too. But let's engage, right? What we're doing really matters and it'll be an awesome thing. So, um, one of the things that the scripture talks about that they did in the early church as well, It says, and they continued steadfastly in fellowship. Now, we have a tendency to uh, um, equate this idea of fellowship. You know, we have our worship, and then when worship is done, we go out there or hang around here and fellowship, okay? But this word fellowship communicates an idea is that there are things that we have in common as Christians. That's what it means. It's about the sharing. What do we have in common? Well, what do we have in common? We have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ in common. We have forgiveness of sins in common. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us in common. We have a mission that God has given us in common. We have needs in our lives that we need people to pray for in common. We have all of these things in common. And so that's about what fellowship is. Now, when we come to worship then together, is that something that we have in common? Yeah, this need to worship together. The things that we're worshiping about, we have in common. And so what I want you to see in a very real way, when we gather together for worship, we also gather together for fellowship. Because we are uniting around those things that unite us. Okay, and continuing in fellowship. And so um, this starts then when you come in the building and are fellowshipping. And we come in here and worship together in fellowship and when afterwards, when we're done, we continue to fellowship with each other. Now, um, I think I'll have you do it first and then I'll talk to you about it. Okay, let's do this. Let's just, this is normally the time uh, when I would, they would be up here and have you stand and greet one another. Would you do that now? Stand up and just make sure you greet some people around you that everybody gets a greeting here. All right. So um, I know how this goes. When we have this time in the service, there are those of you who love it. And there are those of you who hate it. Okay? And for some we could call this not the greeting time, we could call it the awkward greeting time. Right, and, and we get that. We have different personalities. But let me do, uh, share a couple of key things here. First is this. The scripture says four different times. It says, greet each other with Christian love. Greet each other with Christian love. Now, interesting enough, a much more literal translation of this is greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay? Now, um, yeah, you greet your spouse with a holy kiss. <laughs> um, In our culture, that is not the way we typically greet one another. Now my daughter Amber's in Spain, outside of Barcelona, they greet each other that way. With the the, the kisses on either side, they do that. Uh, But here in our country, in our culture, the safe greeting expression is what? A handshake, right? And you may, uh, depending on your nature relationship with someone, you might have a close enough relationship with someone where you would give them a hug. Um, That's fine. But the idea is that Scripture seems to tell us that we are supposed to greet one another and include some aspect of physical greeting in there. And you think, well, what's up with that? Why is that? Well, when people go through really hard things, bad things happen, someone dies, someone's sick, there's a huge financial loss, or whatever. and when people go through hard times, sometimes the question they ask is, where was God, right? Where was God? Where is God? But I discovered something over the years that people who are in that situation have Christians around them, Christians who come up and put their hand on their shoulder and say, how are you doing? Man, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I care. Uh, can I pray for you and pray with you? Or A handshake or whatever the deal is. But what we discover is that people are in those situations like that, they don't say, where was God? Now, they might say, I don't understand why God let this happen, right? But they don't say, where was God? you know why? Because God connected with him personally through a Christian, through that reaching out and touching and caring. And so God tells us that when we get together, we ought to greet one another in a way that includes this kind of thing, okay? Uh, And what we don't wanna have happen is anybody come in here and then leave without having had that kind of connection, a a connection that communicates the love of Christ and the valuing of that person, all right? So we do this greeting time. Now, that can get awkward, right? And how long does it go on? And and sometimes you greet everybody and then you stand there and look around and I mean, it gets weird. I have a solution to that. If we would come in here everybody would come in and be in the auditorium here three four minutes five minutes before the service actually starts and then greet one another actually care about each other connect with each other you know make sure nobody is alone that everybody gets greeted and we did all that if that was happening before the service and after the service we wouldn't have to do it in the middle of the service okay and so um, whether we continue doing the service or not, and we, we continue to seek the Lord's direction on those kinds of things. But we need to be a church that greets one another with Christian love, okay? And so that is part of our worship, coming together, we're sharing something that we have in common. Now, having said that, let me just talk to you about this, and I don't know how much of an issue this is for you guys, it's, it's some, but we need to talk about being on time, okay? Okay? Um, how much of the worship service matters? It all matters. It's right, because the Lord has led our worship leader to choose certain songs and for us to worship and focus on the Lord and begin our focus. And I think sometimes the way we live, we don't think about that. Wait a minute, this whole worship service matters. I need to be there with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Jesus is there. I need to be there. Okay, uh, and, and to be here for the whole thing, if, if you aren't, let me tell you what happens, and it, it, uh, it isn't quite as noticeable in this service, maybe because it's later, or because some of you are already here, uh, but it is some in this service, uh, and that's it, like in the first service when we begin, there, sometimes there's only one-fourth to one-third of the people who are in here, and it takes 15 to 20 minutes before everybody finally makes it in, Okay. Second service, it isn't as badly that way, although I would say we're almost double what we were when we started it at 11 today, okay? And so the idea is we want to think, wait, this matters, this is so important, and if I can be here, God's going to work in my life, God's going to do something, you know, that's going to change me, that will honor him, and I need to be in there and start shaping your life accordingly. Make your plans accordingly. Um, I know what it's like. We raised six kids. I know what it's like to head out the door and as you head out the door, the little one pukes all over themselves and you. Now you've got to go in and change. And you do that. And on the way out, another, the other little one blows out a diaper. Now you've got to go back in and do this all again, right? So I, I, I get that. Um, in the first service, I said, and sometimes the same thing happens to us. And I thought, well, that isn't what I meant to say. <laughs> What I meant to say is there have been times when I got ready and all of a sudden I, I spilled my coffee and the coffee gets all over my shirt and ah, right? And I gotta go back in and change. But what I'm saying is if we will think that when we gather to worship, what is going on is so important, I need to plan for those things to happen, okay? Maybe I even need to get clothes ready for kids the night before. I need to plan for those things to happen so that when they happen, I still make it on time. We'll give you grace if a third thing happens, right? <laughs> um, but plan on that, plan ahead of time. Plan so that you are not driving on the property at 9.29, 9.30, or 10.59, 11 o'clock. Plan to be here five, 10 minutes early so you can be in and greet one another like we've talked about. Uh, let's, let's just view our worship services as so important. Now, let me say this. One thing we're not doing is we are not setting up a standard by which to judge each other, okay? Stuff does happen, doesn't it? And life happens. And there's gonna be times when we're gonna walk in late. And and reality is, is um, some people will be late for the rapture. And so, (laughs) you know, they might normally be 15, 20 minutes late but now they're only five, six, seven minutes late. That's progress, right? So um, it's not about judging other people. It's about looking at our own lives and saying, am I making the service, am I giving it the importance I ought to? And then planning our lives around it, okay? All right, another thing that we typically do during this time is we, we usually have a time of prayer. You know, we, we talk to you about what's going on. We'll actually do that in a little bit. Uh, this scripture says they continued steadfastly in prayers. We know they did that. I don't probably need to talk much about that. I think we all understand the importance of talking to God uh, in our worship. Uh, some other things, a couple of things that we do off and on... Uh, Matthew 28 says, go, make disciples, baptizing them. And so sometimes we have people who've come to Christ and want to follow the Lord in baptism, and we typically will do that at this time in the service. Okay? Uh, and then we have the Lord's Supper. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And so we will include that, sometimes at this time in the service, sometimes after the preaching. And by the way, we are a church family, not just here on Sunday mornings, Right? We're church family the rest of the week, too, in different times, and so sometimes we have other things going on, other meetings, and we'll have the Lord's Supper at those times, okay? Uh, but we, we include the Lord's Supper in our worship. We also include offering. Psalm 96 talks about worship. It says, give to the Lord the glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. or so worship the Lord. And so the idea of, of giving to the Lord. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, I, I gave online. That's not a problem. If you gave online because you wanted to honor God in your finances and do the things that he led you to do, is that worship? It absolutely is worship. Then when we have our time and the plate comes by and you've already given, just remind, yes, Lord, thank you that you provide for me and I'm able to give back to you. Just engage God and worship him at that point, even though you already put your offering in other than that. One other thing we do at this time, usually because we are a church family, is talk about a few things that are going on in our church. And so let's do that right now, okay? Um, so I, I'm stopping preaching right now. And I'm actually doing this, okay. Uh, Dave and Deb Langren not here today because they're up in New York with a new grandbaby, a little boy. So that's exciting for them. Be praying for them, great time, and also safety as they come back. And, and then a thing that's much uh, heavier on our hearts, Kim Croak's brother, had a really, really bad heart attack while he's on vacation in Florida, and, and this, they're looking at this really long road for recovery and lots of things that have to happen, lots of things that could go wrong, and all the logistics of being down there, and Kim's down there helping her brother and her mother. And so let's keep Kim in prayer, certainly her brother as well. Uh, some quick announcements here. Mother's Day, uh, we have a guest speaker with us, Ken Gilming. Uh, I... I I don't um, open up Sunday morning pulpit to very many people unless I really trust them, because I really care about what you guys get. I'm just telling you, Ken Gilming uh, loves God, loves people, okay? And so you'll hear from the Lord on Mother's Day. He'll be a great speaker for us to have. Uh, iron sharpens iron. Men, I encourage you to, uh, to go to that. That's May 19th, you can talk to Tom if you need more details. Uh, you need to register by next Sunday uh, to get the price that, uh, the, the better price, so that's by next Sunday. If you have a graduate in your family this year, let us know, we'll be recognizing them on, on the 3rd. And then uh, men's deep sea fishing, you got questions, you can see Bill about that encourage you to to consider those things. All right, so what I'm going to do at this point in time is pray for us, and then we're going to stand and sing sing another song, and as we do, we'll collect the offering, and we'll worship God as we do these things. Don't forget to sing the way we practiced the first time. Father, thank you uh, for your word and what you're speaking to us here today. Uh, Thank you that we can worship you. Help us to remember what it means as we do it Uh, i pray you'd fill our hearts lord uh, with the truth about you and what it means in our lives as we sing this next song and as we give our offerings to you we pray especially for uh, kim croak and her family we pray for rick lord that he will improve he'll continue to get better Uh, keep him safe through all the things that are along the way there And especially help Kim, Lord, give her the grace, the strength, the comfort, the encouragement, the wisdom that she needs as she walks through this time. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's stand together and continue worshiping. So normally this is the time when we uh, begin the sermon. We begin the preaching, and obviously today that has been different. Uh, But we do want to focus in on this part of the service. And just let me just say right up front, let's think about this again. It isn't that we've worshipped and now we have the preaching. We continue to worship as we have the preaching. Okay, we want to continue to worship. Uh, We see that this has been the pattern for the church since the very beginning. Acts chapter 2, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That word means their teaching. Uh, It would include their preaching, their explanation of the word of God to, to God's people. The apostle Paul described his ministry in this area when he said these words, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I'm going to tell you what God says. In preaching, sometimes you will be exposed to things and ideas that you might not come across on your own because the Lord will lead your pastor, uh, you know, what to preach when, and and God knows how that all comes together, right? And he will speak to you through it. Uh, The Apostle Paul also said, talking about Christ, he says, Him we preach, uh, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? Why? that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, and man here, he's using in a generic sense, every person, Uh, we want to present you perfect in Christ, so we preach Christ to you. How? So know that uh, when I'm preaching to you, when Pastor Dave is preaching to you, when we have a guest speaker that we've invited to come and preaching to you, that they are doing, that we are doing our very best to try to say to you, here's what God says, And we're trying to build a bridge from that to say here's what that means in our lives, some things to think about. And and, uh, so we're going to do our best to speak to you on God's behalf, in God's place. Um, But you have to do something to make it work. Make it work, I don't mean that in a pragmatic sense. I mean for it to do what God wants it to do. So let's take our Bibles again and go to 1 Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. page 1357 in the Bible that's in um, the chairs there. Now, when the Apostle Paul started the church in Thessalonica, which the the people who live there are the Thessalonians, when Paul started the church there, uh, bad persecution came up, so much so that they were worried Paul was going to be killed. Uh, And Paul, we aren't sure how much time Paul had there. We know he had at least three weeks. But we're pretty sure he didn't have any more than three months. So he was there a very short time. Could you imagine starting a church and leaving it three months later? Whoa, how do you do that? Well, Paul had those same concerns. Uh, But what he discovered, because he, you know, reaching out to them, got news from them, he discovered that they had flourished They had had obeyed the Lord, they had lived out the Christian life, they had turned away from their idols and their false, false worship, and their reputation was becoming known that they were godly Christians, a great church. So Paul is very much encouraged. And then he talks about some of the reasons that this happened. And so in chapter two, in verse 13, he gives us, I think, one of the really key reasons. He says, for this reason, We also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And so, you know, they didn't have Bibles like we do. You know, the Old Testament scriptures were in scrolls and, and they, the church probably had access to um, maybe most of those, maybe all of them. A brand new church like this probably didn't have all of them. But Paul, when he was there, he says, so they don't have their own Bibles. He says, but when we spoke to you, you didn't just say, oh, Paul is speaking to us. Was Paul speaking to them? Was he? yes. He said, you heard our words. He says, but you didn't receive it just as our words. You listened for the voice of God through what I was, what I was saying. And, and look at how he talks about that again. He says, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And so somehow... Some way, God has set this up. I mean, He talks elsewhere about God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to uh, bring the gospel and see people get saved. Um, but somehow, when we gather together, and and whoever the Lord has, you know, speaking to us that day, He says it's not just them talking to you. God wants to talk to you, and He describes it as it is in truth, the Word of God. And so when a preacher stands up here and preaches to you from the Word of God, you need to be listening, not just for what he's saying, but what, for what God is saying. And sometimes it'll be exactly what the preacher says to you, what God is saying to you. Other times it won't be exactly what he's saying, but the Holy Spirit will say, okay, you hear that? Now you see how that applies here? And you go, oh, Yeah. But God will speak to you. Does this make sense to you, what I'm trying to say? Um, I'm I'm fallible. God is not. And so I stand up here and preach to you. I could make some mistakes. I I might miss some things from time to time. But God will speak to you, and he's never wrong. And so who do we want to make sure we hear from? God. He does use us. He does use preachers. Okay? And so really, really crucial that you, when we get to this part of the service, just like you've been trying to, you know, to be in tune with the Lord through the rest of the service, continue now. Participate with God through this time of preaching. Look at the word. Listen. Have a conversation with God about what you're hearing. And, and, and then respond to him. And here's the attitude you want to bring. It's the attitude that uh, Samuel was instructed to have. When he heard the voice of God to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm listening, Lord. And by the time we get to the end of the sermon and the end of the worship service, I'm confident the Lord will have spoken to you about something. It might be that he just reminds you of things you already know and said, don't forget, you need to remember this. It might be that He, all of a sudden you have a new insight you never had in your whole life. It might be practical steps you need to take. That is the big deal. It might not be. It might be a whole different way of thinking that God is trying to get you to see and have it. But the point is, he will work. If you'll say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. I want to hear, I want to know. And I want to do what you tell me to do. And so, for this sermon today, I usually bring it down to the end and try to give you some sort of applications. And and hopefully they help you. Uh, But once again, the biggest application you want is the one God has for you. Very often it'll overlap, and other times it might not. But so here's today's application. Here's where I want you to to be at. Today I choose to surrender to the Lord about worshiping together with my church. I'm going to surrender. God, I'm going to make it as important. I'm going to plan my life so I can make sure I'm here for all. I'm going to focus my mind. I'm going to care about the people around me and greet them. I'm going to whatever, right? Today, right now, I choose to surrender to the Lord about worshiping together with my church. And so when we talk about worship here in our church, we're talking about we surrender to the Lord. We do. Now, when we say we surrender to the Lord, sometimes our surrender, we reach a point at the end of the service and we realize our surrender isn't even about anything that was directly said today. It's about I need to receive Christ as Savior or I need to be baptized, the way the Bible says. Or, I mean, it might be other things, right? But if we gather together with this mindset, we surrender to the Lord, God will do great and amazing things in our worship services and change our lives and change our church in ways that honor Him. So, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we have one more song that we're going to sing together. Father, we do come before you and I thank you Lord for all the things that you tell us about worship and I pray Father that we we will learn and we'll remember and we'll grow in this and that we would honor you uh, with our worship Lord individually moment by moment as we go through life but Lord as we're talking about today that we would also on purpose gather be here and, and worship together surrender our lives to you together about whatever you would speak to us as we worship you Thank you for these things. And and our desire is that you be honored, glorified, lifted high here today. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.